0: Production.
1: Hey, how many demerit points do you have? Have you been losing more points more recently? Well, if you have been, it turns out you're not alone. Our investigative journalist, Joey Watson, has uncovered new data that shows a huge increase in the number of licence suspensions. In one state, there's been a 71% increase in the number of drivers losing their licence in just two years. Now, one of the big factors is the introduction of cameras and artificial intelligence detection software. The cameras
2: capture images of every driver that passes by. The AI assesses whether or not they may or may not be on their phone. If they're not, the image is discarded, but if they are, then it's forwarded on to
1: a uh, officer to assess and then potentially administer a fine. In this briefing, we find out how this AI software works and which states are most affected first, here are today's headlines.
0: G'day, it's Jan Fran here with you on this Thursday, the 27th of April, and we are starting with the latest inflation data, uh, which I promise not really to talk about very much, but 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 quarterly figures are out, uh, which shows that inflation is on its way down. Um, the 12-month figure last quarter was 7.8%. Now, in the March quarter, it's down to 7%. Uh, The worst of the inflationary pressures are behind us, but they will hang around higher than we'd like for longer than we'd like. That was Treasurer Jim Chalmers there. And the question I think on everyone's lips is, what does it mean for interest (laughs) rates? Will I be able to pay my mortgage?
1: Yeah, so basically the inflation data came down roughly in line with expectations, which means um, most economists are predicting rates will be on hold again when they meet next week. So on hold it very high levels.
0: Look, basically, don't unclench your butt cheeks, people.
1: And a new migration strategy is set to be outlined by the Home Affairs Minister today. So a review has come out saying our migration system is slow and unfair and that we need to prevent Australia from becoming a nation of permanently temporary citizens. And part of that failure is to retain the best and brightest of the international students that come here. And it says that our skilled occupations list is outdated.
0: Yeah, so the issue here is that um, we have this very large temporary migrant workforce in Australia. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but since 2007, it's doubled in size to 1.8 million people. So there's approximately 2 million people who live in Australia, who work in Australia, who have a life in Australia, who have spent years in Australia, but there's no avenue to permanent residency or migration here. And so they kind of end up going back. So I guess the question here is how do we make Australia um, a much more appealing destination to skilled workers because there's a competition that's growing from countries all over the world for workers that have particular skills. Mm. So the question is why would they choose Australia if they come here, live here, work here, have a life here, but actually uh, on this temporary visa where they feel like maybe they're in limbo and will eventually have to go back to the country that they come from.
1: Yeah, I imagine we're talking about the huge amount of international students from China and India. Yeah, that's very
0: key to this, yeah.
1: Who come here and end up with amazing education. So great people to have in our workforce. They need to get the, yeah, the settings right. Um, Migration levels are really high. They've bounced back massively since the pandemic. So before the pandemic, we were looking at 250,000 a year. We're now over 300,000 a year. So it's important we get it right.
0: To international news now in Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky and China's President Xi Jinping have had, quote-unquote, long and meaningful phone call. This is the first contact that uh, the two countries have had since the war began in Ukraine. That is according to Zelensky, anyway. um, The Ukraine is gaining an ambassador to Beijing, so the plan is that to help strengthen relations between the two countries. That's a pretty big move considering there wasn't one there prior. And the idea is that China sort of emerges as this potential peace negotiator for the conflict as well.
1: Well, this phone call makes it look like they are emerging as a potential peace negotiator. They've been talking to Russia the whole way through, but now a phone call with Zelensky is a really interesting development. Wouldn't it be an interesting plot twist if... China was the peacemaker here.
0: Yeah, well, I can't imagine the United States is too happy about this because they've obviously been supporting Vladimir Zelensky since the war began in Ukraine. And for China to come to come in here at um, you know, what are we? Almost two years into the conflict, or a year and a half into the conflict?
1: But they're one of the few powerful countries that can speak to both sides. You know, the the US doesn't really have Putin's ear. So um, yeah, maybe they are the right the right people to do it. It just depends on the territory, really, if they can get Zelensky and Putin to agree on where the lines of of those territories are drawn. Mm. um, Zelensky's being pretty bolshy. He wants to take Crimea back, not just the territory that's been taken in this recent conflict, but the last conflict too.
0: Mm. I think this is going to be high on the list of discussion points when Joe Biden comes to Australia. Uh, He's due to be here uh, next month, I believe, he's coming Mm. to Australia to meet with Narendra Modi, who's um, the Indian Prime Minister, who's going to meet with um, Japan's Prime Minister, and he's also going to meet with... um,
1: Albo. It's the Quad.
0: Albo. Yeah, I was like, who's the other guy? Mm, I don't know if I've heard of him. Albo. It's the Quad (laughs) meeting. Exactly. The Quad, they basically keep an eye on China. They don't say they're doing that explicitly, but that's what they're doing.
1: And Microsoft has been hit with a bit of a gut punch by UK authorities who've blocked a deal that would have been the biggest gaming deal in history.
0: Yes. When I say biggest, well, when you say biggest, $104 billion Australian dollars. I don't even know what that number looks like. Um, this was what Microsoft was wanting to pay for the US video game company Activision Blizzard. Um, Activision's known for having these very, well, the very hugely popular game Call of Duty, but the regulator just basically said that no, no deal here. It's going to reduce innovation. It's going to give gamers less choice. The kind of cloud gaming business is very fast growing and they want as much innovation as possible in it.
1: Yeah, and Microsoft is really dominating in this cloud gaming space. It's got 60-odd percent of the market already. And it
0: wants more. Mm. Um, So for those who are not gamers, okay, myself, cloud gaming is basically um, the gaming industry's sort of Answer to Netflix, I guess. It's similar in that sense, in that you can stream games rather than having to own a physical copy or to have it downloaded onto, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. player you use. And there's been a big update in the Kathleen Folbig case. Um, She was convicted of killing her four infant children. This was in 2003. An inquiry now, though, has heard that the New South Wales Director of Public Prosecutions accepts that new evidence points to the possibility of reasonable doubt that she committed the crimes.
1: Yeah, so this is due to new scientific evidence showing that a rare gene mutation could have been responsible for the deaths of her two daughters. And there was other evidence presented about seizures um, that cast doubt on the convictions of the killing of her two sons. So this is a big development. The inquiry also um, heard evidence about the way her diaries were interpreted in coming to that verdict Mm. as well. So they're being reconsidered too.
0: Mm. I mean, this was a, a huge case. I remember it very well back in 2003 when she was convicted because the children, there were four children who died between 1989 and 1999 and they were aged between 19 days and a year and a half. So it's this very emotional story and mm. but she has sort of maintained her innocence from the beginning. So 20 years down the track to look at the potential of being exonerated, that's way down the line, I understand, but huge.
1: Yeah, so the acceptance of doubt, that came in the closing submission from the head of the DPP as we mentioned. Now the next step is to wait for the head of the inquiry Tom Bathurst to hand down his findings. If he finds reasonable doubt, he could refer the case to the court of appeal, which would then consider quashing the convictions. But he could also just straight up recommend a pardon, which would see her walk straight out of jail. So that'd be five years before her 25 year sentence is served. All right, Jan, we'll catch you later. Coming up, if you've lost your license recently, you might be about to find out why. Blame AI. All right, now to our briefing on the traffic cameras and AI detection software that has led to a big increase in license suspensions in two states, the states where the technology has been introduced. So this raises a whole lot of questions about fairness, privacy, revenue raising, and of course, road safety, which is the point of this technology. So this story comes from one of our own reporters here at Listener, Joey Watson. And Joey, it begins with a painful personal story Yes, Tom, it's a sad tale. Um, Mid last year, I lost my license. I
2: got an anxiously anticipated letter in the mail. For three months, I wasn't able to drive. And at the time, my friends were divided. I reckon half of them thought that this was the system working. Some said I got what I deserved but I suspected that something had changed. Like I'd slowly accrued a string of demerit points for minor traffic offenses that put me over the limit. But in the past few years, I felt like without any change to my driving, I was getting hit with demerit points more often than I had before. I let that thought rest, but then in the months since friends started to have their licenses suspended or get extremely close to their limit, In some instances, this was family, friends who had decades-long records of safe driving. They'd been caught out doing the wrong thing for the first time in their lives. So I put in a request through GIPA. I live in Sydney, and that's the New South Wales Government's Freedom of Information System to try and see what was going on. And the data was
1: significant. Okay. So you looked at the trend of people losing or having their licenses suspended in New South Wales. How much of an increase had there been and what was the time frame? Okay. So for as far back as the records I was provided go, licensed
2: suspensions per financial year hover between around 10 and 14,000 per year. That's yeah. fairly consistent. But in the financial year that ended in 2021, that figure jumped to 18,309, a 40% increase on the year before. And then another jump to twenty two thousand three hundred and sixteen in the financial year that ended last year. So that's a seventy one percent increase
1: in two years. Wow, a seventy one percent increase in license suspensions in New South Wales in just two years. Yeah, so I felt I felt somewhat vindicated. Let's say. <laughs> okay,
2: so then you compared that to other states. Yeah, yeah. I, I was pretty intrigued after getting such substantial results in New South Wales, so I decided to put in requests in every other state and territory in Australia you know, I wanted to know if this was a national trend, right? One by one, I got results that suggested no increase. In some states, license suspensions were actually trending downwards until I got an email back from Queensland where there was a 22% increase in the same period. Of course, we've got de factor in COVID here
1: too, so less people are on the road. It's a substantial rise. Okay. So you've got two states with a substantial rise, really bad in New South Wales, quite bad in Queensland. What are those two states doing differently to other states? New South Wales and Queensland are the only two states that have introduced mobile phone detection
2: cameras. They're cameras that use artificial intelligence to detect if someone's using their phone while driving. The cameras capture images of every driver that passes by the AI assesses whether or not they may or may not be on their phone. If they're not, the image is discarded, but if they are, then it's forwarded on to a, uh, officer to assess and then potentially
1: administer a fine. Okay, so that's really interesting because that's different to how speed cameras work. A speed camera only takes a photo of someone when they're doing something wrong, whereas these new mobile phone detection cameras, as you've just said, they photograph everyone, and then we have this new powerful. AI technology, which allows them to run the assessment on this huge number of photos to determine who is doing the wrong thing. But they've already captured the photos. Yeah, which of
2: course, you know, immediately raises some big questions. And, you know, New South Wales, when it uh, started trialing these in December of 2019, was the first jurisdiction in the world to do so, closely followed by Queensland, some sort of a state of origin rivalry, let's say who six months later introduced their own, the kind of one-up New South Wales way, also assessing for seatbelts as well.
1: Now to ask the big question, which is, is this new technology to blame for the rise in licence suspensions? The answer is clear when you overlay the time periods. That's right. Like to give you a sense of the impact, in January of
2: this year, uh, the total number of fines issued for mobile phone offences was 16,811 where three years ago, the same January, three years ago- Before the technology came in? Let's call it the good old days of uh, police-enforced mobile detection. That number was 1,355. So 1,000 to 16,000.
1: Wow. So the January figure has gone from 1,000 to 16,000 since this technology was introduced. So they've had a huge impact. A a huge impact. And if you want that articulated in terms of revenue,
2: that's- uh, $10 Ten million dollars in this January alone compared to four hundred and sixty seven thousand in that comparable January. So Whoa.
1: Yeah. So twenty times more revenue per month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a it's a huge jump. So we've got to ask, is this fair? They say it's about safety, but it's also raising huge amounts of revenue. It's also invading our privacy. Is it worth it? Is it fair? Is it making us safer? Can we answer that question?
2: Well, I spoke to a you know a bunch of traffic experts and behavioural psychologists about this. In, in terms of re-offending, whether people are changing their behaviour after a licence suspension, that data wasn't available. There isn't a target for reduced repeat offending for drivers like there is for other crimes.
1: But there are also long-term changes, right? So we've only had these
2: cameras for two years. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, I I sold my car when I lost my license. So if having me off the road is keeping people safer, then that's a success as as far as transport for New South Wales is concerned.
1: So what you're saying is we don't know yet whether it's making us safer on the roads. The stats can't really be calculated and attributed to this factor. No, and
2: ultimately this isn't just about people losing their licence, right? The purpose of these laws is to save lives and, you know, to the credit of policymakers, the road toll over time, like if you look at it over decades, is certainly going down. As a counterfactual, guess which states had the highest road toll last year? It was incidentally Queensland and New South Wales, which isn't the immediate decrease uh, that the policymakers might have desired after rolling out these cameras, But road safety is a really tricky area of policy, right? And there's tons of evidence to suggest that both speeding and mobile phone use increases the overall risk Mm. of a crash. I found one study which suggested that drivers using a mobile phone are four times more likely to be involved in a crash. Wow. So, so you know, over time, policymakers will be envisaging that these more haw- hawkish automated enforcement will mean less people using their phones. But you know, this is, these are changes that, behavioral changes that will happen over decades
1: rather than over years. So the numbers can't back it up yet, but the research and, and common sense would tell you that getting a fine for using your phone will stop you from using your phone while you're driving, and that decreases your chance of having an accident. So this will make us safer So I think we've sort of answered that question as best we can. The other question that comes out of this is the rise of surveillance technology and the way that artificial intelligence is being used in combination with surveillance and how that might impact our privacy. And you could ask that question for for drivers, but a whole range of different scenarios in in our day-to-day lives. Yeah, of course. And yeah,
2: this story definitely got me thinking about some of those bigger ethical issues. For driving offences, we've set up a system where robots are in the majority of cases replacing work traditionally done by human law enforcement. Um, Speed cameras came first. They've been around since the 80s. AI detection cameras don't have the ability to exercise discretion, for example. It's just sort of become commonplace. We just accept that that's how road rules are enforced in many instances. But of course, you know, there's questions about privacy. Earlier this year, a woman in New South Wales complained after she was sent a photo taken by a mobile detection camera, which clearly showed her underwear, and she took the matter to court where she pleaded guilty to the offence, but in doing so, sort of brought attention to the photo. Uh, If an actual person took the same photo, they could face two years in prison.
1: Mm. Upskirting.
2: Uh, Yeah, exactly. Automation obviously would be a contributing factor to the trending decrease in road fatalities. But also think about how AI uh, and facial recognition is now being deployed in other um, crime areas like shoplifting, for Mm. example. There are surveillance tech programs made to, to, quote, predict crime before it happens, which are said to be used in 40% of Australian retail stores now. So, I think there are definitely some bigger questions here.
1: Mm. And just on the license suspensions, is there any pushback to these, these revelations of how many people are losing their licenses because of this new technology? Or is the attitude from the authorities, well, this is the whole point. The more people that lose their licenses, the more behavior will change. I think so. And I also think that you know, it's quite easy to
2: understand, right? If you use your mobile phone when you're driving, you're putting other people at risk. So mm. it's probably a fair cop. And I think broadly speaking, there'd be acceptance around that in the community. But, but um, I don't think anyone expected it to be this bad, like a 70% increase. You know, One of the experts I spoke to actually suggested at the time, he wrote at the time that um, the trial was being rolled out, that this would lead to a big increase in license suspensions. And we haven't done any social modeling to suggest what the uh, impact of that increase would be. Because, you know, for me, like I kind of got by on uh, admittedly expensive ride sharing habit. But yeah, and then, you
1: live in the inner city and you don't have kids or you're not an apprentice driving around. Exactly. Or, you know, think about people that
2: are primary carers, for mm. example, people that um, yeah, need their car for work. It's a different story. So the potential impact uh, could be perhaps more profound than we th- uh, think and maybe is something that needs to be considered, even if we do take this to be good policy
1: from the outset. And that's Joey Watson, investigative reporter here at Listener. This is a really tricky issue to balance. I think this technology and its impact on our demerit points and our licences will improve road safety. Driving with your phone is really bad form. You're endangering other people. Just get a cradle, be an adult. It's actually not that hard to sort it out. But a policy that cuts in this harshly... 70% 70% increase in license suspensions in two years. That is very savage and has a big impact on people's lives, big impact on their revenue as well. The other thing that we touched on there that I think is important is that we do need to be careful about how this type of camera surveillance and then AI detection software, we have to be careful how that's rolled out in other spheres like retail, as Joe mentioned, and who knows what other parts of our lives as well. Airports or there's a whole range of scenarios it could be used And I think we want to be very wise as to where we're using it. Listener.